The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know, it's actually borderline remarkable that we are now just two days away separated, I should say, from the end of the NBA season, and already we are deep into the offseason feelings. Doesn't it feel like the Lakers won the championship like a month ago? That was Sunday. That was Sunday. It's Tuesday morning. Maybe I'm maybe I'm feeling something that doesn't exist for the rest of you guys, but I, I feel pretty confident because I watch, you know, I, even when I'm crazy busy with just life as the way the last couple weeks have been, there's, I, I try to maintain some sort of, not if maybe if not the, the largest presence on the internet, at least keep an eye on what's going on across it. And I'll tell you, uh, people have just moved on. The discussions are largely now about LeBron's legacy, which we talked about a hair on yesterday's podcast, although certainly from a different vantage point than what's getting kicked around uh, in the media at large. And we'll dive into that here momentarily. We also have what I like to do here. It's a little bit of a different thing because this this year is so very different. But I want to go through the teams, and I don't know how long it's going to take, one, maybe two shows, and just briefly stop on each of the 30 teams in the NBA. And we did it a little bit with uh, a couple yesterday. But just what the what the next year might bring. And this is something you sort of flip in the back of your, in your quiver, one of your arrows, as you're handicapping fantasy players for next year. Not gambling. But first and foremost, welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today. This is a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. I rarely do that part slowly, but I, I, you know, at this point, I, I venture most of you guys that are listening to the show have listened at least uh, twenty or thirty times before. But I guess you never know. There might be somebody that on October the thirteenth, two days after the championship, is hunting for a fantasy basketball show. We started to see some rumors circulating yesterday that free agency might be December first which I think was close to our guess. I've seen plenty of people say they think MLK Day is going to be the start of the NBA season just because of sort of what that day means to the NBA, especially with, uh, especially this past year and how the the fight for equality has become such a, a central tenet of the NBA. Uh, but we don't know because ultimately, the, the, you know, that would be more the feel-good story, get the, get the season started on MLK Junior Day. But at the end of all of this, the, the coal in the engine of our locomotive is fans, tickets being purchased, concessions being purchased, people in person. And uh, we're still... We're still off from that. You know, there's still too much COVID to open up an indoor facility to a large number of people. You're seeing there are measures of success 
doing so in an outdoor environment. And I, I you know, we haven't talked much about COVID on this sh- on this show recently, really since that that initial burst. Since things have kind of, from a sports standpoint, the leagues have been humming along, with the exception of the NFL, which you always knew was going to be the toughest. There's just so many people on each team. There's close human contact, just bodies being piled on top of one another. Uh, the only reason I thought the NFL might be able to pull it off was because they have a week between games. So there was an opportunity to figure out who had it and try to slow it down, but practices tend to make that a little bit more complicated. So, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have been looking at the, the country map. I would suggest you go to the website covidactnow.org. They have every piece of data for every state in the country all mapped out in a very easy-to-see green, yellow, orange, and red grid. And there are very few states right now that are trending in the right direction, which I know for... And and again, I don't want this podcast to devolve into who's doing what right and who's doing stuff wrong. We're not... You guys know where I stand on most of this stuff. I am generally petrified of these things. And it's largely because we have uh, an infant in our home and grandparents that want to see said infant so keep every don't touch me don't get anywhere near me that's the most important stuff for me right now there there's there are personal choices at play here um i'm talking about from an nba standpoint from an nba standpoint there just aren't that many places where i if i'm the nba would feel comfortable putting people into a group setting Does that mean there needs to be a vaccine before NBA arenas reopen? No, it doesn't. You've seen what other countries have been able to do by wearing masks, by social distancing, and then by basically snuffing it out, not letting it transmit to so many people. We've really biffed that. We really have. There's no way around it. And I get it. Everybody wants to just sort of do their thing. But by doing our thing, we have made it extraordinarily difficult to do group things. Movie theaters are going broke because we've screwed this up for so long. Airlines have are going broke. Cruise, I mean, I would you couldn't pay me enough to get on a cruise even before COVID, but things are just, they're going under because we, we never really snuffed this thing out. We were just like, meh, whatever. And so from the NBA now, they're looking at it like, how long can we really push this thing before it's too long. Because there is an element of, if we wait so long to try to get a season going, one, we're not going to get 82 games in, which is TV revenue. That's also half of the equation. And two, out of sight, out of mind. They've got to deal with out of sight, out of mind-itis. Think about it on a much smaller scale. When there are two days off in between finals games, didn't it feel like an eternity? That happened all the time in seasons past when there was travel. It only happened one time this year, and it felt like it was this ridiculously long break. If the NBA does, if the NBA takes a really long break, like think about, think about what if baseball had to push it all the way back again? Football didn't do it. They didn't push it back, so they they ran on pretty close to their normal schedule. The NBA, 
like everything, had this long layoff from March until X, end of July for basketball, middle of July for baseball. Um, if the NBA pushes things too far back, you're going to see people just sort of stop paying attention. They're just going to lose interest. Oh, it still hasn't started? Uh, all right, whatever. Call me when it happens kind of thing. And you risk losing fan base that way. So you have a lot of factors that they're trying to balance. How do you get all 82 games in for TV revenue? How do you get people into the arena? How do you do it at an early enough time where you don't risk alienating a fan base who doesn't really want to wait an interminable amount of time to get basketball back? And so they juggle all these things. And, and you know, MLK Day does make a lot of sense, but they may push it a little bit later. I would think President's Day in February would probably be about the latest that they'd get things going. That gives us about a four-week window, which from today, by the way, is about three months. The earliest we'd see the NBA is about three months from today. Ugh. But you know what? We made it from March to June. And that weird in-the-middle-of-the-season offseason, I guess we can do it again. I'll tell you what, though. I don't have three months of content for a fantasy basketball show. (laughs) Oh, we blew it all out on the COVID delay. Anywho. So, uh, we'll keep an eye on all of that stuff. All that to say, we... um, we got to do things a little bit differently here. And so, on these upcoming shows... Next couple, at least, before we start to look a little bit at draft stuff. And and we'll get some people to tell me what I don't know. And that's everything, by the way, with respect to college players coming in. Uh, The first thing here is just, it's it's storyline. This is handicapping storyline from a fantasy perspective. By the way, you can follow everything at HoopBall at HoopBallTweets. Shout out to our buddies over at MyBookie.ag. Contests rolling, football rolling, baseball playoffs rolling, tennis rolling. If you listen to our buddy Gil Alexander over on VEASAN, he gave out a 33-1 to underdog to win the French Open. Iga Svatek, I believe was her name. We didn't give it out. Hell no, I don't know anything about tennis. But if you follow Gil and you work through my bookie, you could have gotten crazy odds on that. That's $10 to win 330 and people are winning that. I mean, what if you put, uh, you know, what if you put 20, 25 bucks on that play? Taking home seven, 800 bucks? It's crazy. So all of this stuff is out there, but the only way you can actually cash those tickets is to sign up at mybookie.ag. Promo code is HOOPBALL. That'll get you a 100% deposit match bonus. It'll also let them know who sent you, which for us is obviously the most important part. Again, that's mybookie.ag. Promo code is HOOPBALL. Uh, I don't have any bets to promo today because, you know, the NBA is over, but my bookie is amazing, and I've been tailing Ira and Devin and Troy on their various areas of expertise, and Ira yesterday, he had all four of his plays. He had the Rays first five, the Rays to win the game, the Braves as the underdog, Chargers catching seven and a half points on Monday Night Football, swept the card. Swept it. Swept his Sunday card with two big plays. Devin went three and two on Saturday. Those guys are one, two, three. They're seven games over 500 on their key plays the last three days of, of betting. So don't take my word for it. Just go win some money. MyBookie.ag. Sign up today. Again, promo code is HoopBall. 
get to plug that in on their third page. All right, so there isn't really any numerical element to what we're going to be doing on the next one or two shows. Rather, this is just a trip through the NBA, and it's not individual players. We're not going to be breaking down who's on the way up, who's on the way down. We did all of that during our post-mortem or our mid-mortem season back in April and May. We covered every team in the NBA from that perspective, and we'll do a a re- calibrating of the NBA after free agency. If that's December 1st, then really the next five or six weeks is kind of our our down period here on the show. And then we start ramping. I mean, think about it this way. If, if the season does start in three months, normally that would be mid-October. Three months before mid-October is mid-July in a normal instance. We already have free agency info on a normal year by right now. Okay, so it feels like a long time, but it's actually not. Uh, Once we get free agency information, the ramp-up to the season is going to be abrupt. Because December 1st would basically be like September 1st in a normal NBA calendar. If the season's starting in mid to late January, I guess. Put that caveat on there. Uh, I keep getting sidetracked here. The point is, Everybody has a different thing to prove during the regular season. Every team has a different regular season goal in mind. And how that impacts their fantasy play is extraordinarily relevant. Point of reference this year. None of us really knew how seriously the Lakers were going to take the regular season. As it turns out, the answer was quite seriously. Quite. And that's a big deal because... It's the it's the difference between comparing what the Lakers did with the regular season and uh, like what the Clippers did with the regular season. And this is not to say one one way is necessarily better than the other. This is all about the fantasy side of things. The Lakers took the regular season very seriously. They wanted LeBron James and Anthony Davis Anthony Davis to play in as many games together as humanly possible. AD did hurt his tailbone. Remember, he missed a few games. Uh, midway through the year, but from a designated rest perspective, those guys really didn't take specific days off. Why is that important? Well, because when you're making early round draft picks, you are you're trying to make sure that the guys you get are going to play in the maximum number of games. Every game you get out of a first round player is colossal for your Roto team. It's this it's this per game versus totals battle that we're always going to be waging. Uh, and, and for those types of guys, we've talked about this before, it swings, the pendulum swings hard in one specific direction. So... Uh, for instance, for instance, Kawhi Leonard played 57 games in his regular season this year on a per-game value that ranked him fourth in nine-category leagues. A totals value, and and it's not a big drop, but it's notable, dropped him to sixth. Meanwhile, and this this is where I think the point becomes really hammered home, Chris Paul 
on a per-game basis was number 15, but he played 70 games, and so by totals, he was the number 7 guy. He and Kawhi Leonard were right next to each other. One of those dudes was drafted probably at the end of the first round. The other was drafted late third round this year. And I know what you're thinking. Well, okay, Kawhi Leonard at 57 games plus X unmarked player for an additional 13. That's what you're actually comparing to 70 games of Chris Paul. You're right. So let's do a different comparison. How about someone who was near Kawhi Leonard who played more games than him? Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard had almost the exact same per-game value when compared to the rest of the NBA, but Dame played 10 more games than Kawhi on the year. Damian Lillard was number three by totals and had almost 50% more value to your team than Kawhi Leonard because of those 10 extra games. I know that sounds crazy, but just from a what-are-they-worth perspective, what Dame did was so much more important than what Kawhi did because getting 10 games out of a top five player is game-changing for your team. It's for, for Dame alone, it's 300 points, 43 pointers, 40 rebounds, 80 assists, 10 steals, 3 blocks, and robust free throw percent for your team. I don't know if you can still access your Roto Leagues. I don't, you probably can't anymore. But if you could go in there and find out what 300 points, 40 boards, 80 assists, 43 pointers, and 10 steals would do for your team in Roto... My guess, by the way, is that it would make a difference. Right? You probably pass someone. You're probably getting a roto point. I honestly don't know. I, I mean, I don't I don't think you can get into your old leagues anymore. I think Yahoo has basketball down. Once they boot them back up again, you can look back at your old leagues. But I don't know if you can get to them. Well, wait a minute. Let's let's dig a little deeper here while we're doing the the podcast. Maybe we can figure it out live on air. Um, oh, yeah, you know what? It looks like you still can. Uh, let's see here. Where's a league where I was in the thick of things? How about that? Look, look at how nice is that? Um, all right. So if I added 43 pointers to my team, where is my team? Oh, well, I had punted three, so forget that one on this particular team. What if I had added 300 points? Would I have passed somebody there? Yep, one guy. Uh, what about 40 rebounds? That would be one point. That would be one point there. Okay, what about 80 assists? Who do I pass there? Uh, there's one, and there's two. That's two extra points. Ten steals. I actually didn't change anything for me. Three blocks. Uh, no, actually, I was four blocks behind somebody, so that close, but not quite. And then uh, ultra-high-volume rebound, uh, free-throw shooting probably wouldn't have changed anything for this particular team. So that was four, three or four, depending on how it all grades out, roto points. If nothing else changed for my team except for 10 additional games of Dame Lillard. And again, I know that that's a remedial way of looking at it because you're comparing it to 10 games of somebody else, generally. 
but getting games played out of your top picks is how you win. Roto or head-to-head, frankly, because, you know, Dame playing 10 extra games over Kawhi over the course of the regular season probably would have won you at least four or five head-to-head points over the course of a year. And those are games. I mean, that might be the difference between third and second place and getting a bye in your playoffs. There are few things, as we've talked about before, in my opinion, that are more important than having predictable, safe, early picks and getting off to a good start in fantasy. Don't draft injured guys. Don't get off to a slow start. You can draft people a little bit in Roto by playing a few games less than your competition, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about actually just getting the guys in your lineup that are in head-to-head, playing and getting good games, and for Roto, uh, guys that are having productive games. So the comparison here is, and it goes for a guy like Paul George as well, who you knew was injured coming into the season. You knew the Clippers were going to be gentle with their guys this year. So these risks we're taking on a team that has a different narrative, a different goal, makes a difference. Now, we didn't know the Lakers were going to take this regular season as seriously as they did. I think Anthony Davis, you figured he was going to want to play in most games to prove to people he wasn't banged up. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know LeBron was going to be as laser-focused as he was for the whole regular season. But as it turned out, that proved to be a pretty important detail because those guys racked up extra value by playing in more games. Anthony Davis remained at number two behind James Harden, who always plays in a ton of games. Narrative be damned. LeBron was number 10 because he played in a lot of games. So our goal now, moving forward in this little uh, exercise, which we haven't left ourselves that much time for because I spent half of the podcast just describing why we're doing it, is to figure out what teams might have altered narratives for next year and how that might impact their fantasy play. Since I wasted so much time trying to set this this segment up, we won't get through that many teams today, but let's start at the top and begin to work our way down through each conference. I, no, I see no reason to bounce back and forth between the two. In fact, it's too hard to organize. So what about the Lakers? We discussed them in some detail on yesterday's show, but just for those that weren't really internalizing it because it was the first show of the real offseason. What about the Lakers next year? And we don't know precisely who's going to be on each of these teams due to free agency, but for the Lakers, it's going to be more fringe than central characters, most likely. Anthony Davis could either opt in to one additional year or opt out and sign a longer-term deal. Either way, it feels like he's probably going to be in L.A. And then LeBron who has another year on his original deal, and then I believe he has one more player option for about 40 mil the following season. He's he's here in L.A., and they're coming off winning a championship. They and the Heat will obviously have the shortest breaks of anyone in the NBA. That plays a role in how you assess what a team's going to do. And so every fiber of me says that Lakers' key players will not be going full bore during next year's regular season. What, what, what's left to prove? From a, from a chemistry standpoint, LeBron, AD, Danny Green, Alex Caruso, JaVale McGee, 
Those guys are all there. They're all going to be there. Barring, again, a, a crazy unforeseen twist here on the Anthony Davis front. These guys are all going to be there. I believe KCP can opt in, although he might test the market. But most of the main guys are there. So from a chemistry standpoint, it's a lot of plug and play. You don't need these dudes going max effort every game all season long, trying to make sure they never miss a game. Next year is going to be much more about preserving themselves for a playoff run because you know LeBron wants to put another one on the shelf. Will there be that same desire for the other guys to just to sell out like that? It really comes down, in my opinion, to uh, how many games Anthony Davis plays next year. And, and while I, I am fully aware that he did miss a couple of games this season during the regular year, I think he ended up missing like eight games or something. Uh, he... Am I getting that right? How many games did the Lakers end up playing this year? Maybe he missed about 10 games. There will be rest days without question for the Lakers superstars next year. They'll probably take them against lowly teams where they figured one of the two guys can carry them. And they'll they'll try to sort of blink and plunk their way through the regular season. I would venture to guess, let's say that there are actually going to be 82 games next year. I think you probably see AD and Braun each get at least four or five designated rest days, especially if they condense the season in any way. But obviously other Lakers get rest days too, but I don't know how many of them you're putting on your fantasy team to begin with. Who was the third best Laker this year? It was a, it was a pretty hard drop-off. I think it was... I think it was JaVale McGee, either JaVale or Danny Green, probably, and it was a steep drop after LeBron and AD, two first round uh, by totals. LeBron was very early second round by averages after uh, a slow eight-game bubble run. And, And to me, this is why these types of analyses are important, because you might be inclined to use the same metrics as this last year again for this coming season. And you just can't. It's different. It's just not, it's not the same. Anthony Davis, 62 games while trying to play every single day. He, listen, we've we've made our jokes on this podcast about him having irritable bowel syndrome going to the locker room and then coming back out. Uh, 34 and a half minutes a game. I don't think he's going to get to that number next year. LeBron at 34 and a half minutes per game. I don't think he's getting to that number next year. Everything is going to be down for these dudes. Now, is it enough to move a guy like Anthony Davis off a top two spot in nine category leagues? Probably not. Because there was a pretty steep fall between AD and Dame, who was number three, both on averages and on totals. He almost caught Anthony Davis by totals because of the additional games played. Almost. Almost. Not quite. Uh, what a Dame. Dame was at 67 because he missed a couple of ball games uh, right around the All-Star break. Remember, he missed about a week. If, if he played another two, I think, games, he probably would have passed AD for number two in fantasy. Jokic was number four. But there was, again, there was a pretty good drop there as well. Jokic uh, was number 10 on a per-game basis this year, so... Uh, those those extra games played do mean, mean a, a big deal. So what if AD, who played 62 out of, what the hell, the Lakers' final 
number of games in the regular season this year. Uh, 71. So he missed nine regular season games. What if he, he's not missing only nine next year. No way. No way that dude plays 73 games in an 82-game season. If he cracks 70, I think I'd be blown away. Maybe he gets right around that mark. And that's fine, but do you want to spend your number two pick on a guy who's targeting 10 to 12 missed games? I guess the question is, if not, who would you take instead of him? And that becomes a very difficult discussion of... I'm not taking Giannis. He's he's falling, if anything. Bad free throw shooting and sort of weird adjustments. I mean, he's a super exciting fantasy player, so don't get me wrong on that front. Uh, but he's not in my top three. Cat is probably close. He's coming off of some big injuries this year. Steph Curry is a guy that has uh, an avenue to get near there. Kevin Durant, if you think he actually comes back fully healthy, but there's rest stuff going on there. Um, I think Cat and Steph probably play most of their seasons, but let, we'll move on to those teams when we get there. So, all right, maybe you don't move Anthony Davis far down your board, but he certainly gets farther away from James Harden. I think it makes the number one pick much easier for next year. Because Harden will have a new coach. He'll be playing his butt off like usual. Huge minutes, huge numbers. And AD, it's dialback time. Same with Braun. Same with Braun, who always gets overdrafted, and it'll probably be by more this coming year. There's no way he needs to go as hard as he did. Again, Lakers proved everything they needed to prove during the regular season. Their chemistry's there. They end up with the two or the three seed next season. I don't think they care. Although I guess there will be home court again next year. Maybe. <laughs> we hope. What about the Clippers? These are two fun teams to kind of start this process with, and then we'll do them a lot faster on tomorrow's show and, and probably the one after that. Maybe we need three. I guess it depends on how much we talk about each of these teams. The Clippers went 49-23 and 23 during the regular season this year and flamed out in epic fashion in the second round of the bubble, losing to the Denver Nuggets in a 3-1 to one lead series followed by a collapse. You guys all know the story. The... The other half of that story is how did they get to that point? Clippers got to that point for a couple of reasons. Number one, they didn't really have much in the way of team chemistry. Doesn't seem like those guys liked each other that much. The reality falls somewhere in between the people that say everything is fine and the Shams stories about Montrez Harrell getting on Paul George's case and stuff like that. Like, they didn't hate each other, but they weren't. They weren't in love. They didn't have that grinder mentality that the Clippers team had from the previous year. It was superstars missing a bunch of games. Kawhi played 57 games this year. Paul George only played 48. Paul trying to play through some stuff, but it not really working. Pat Beverly always plays himself into injury, so he only logged 51 games this year. It's the same old story. We love his fantasy stuff because he does the non-scoring things, but he can never stay healthy. Montrez Harrell, uh, his numbers trending in the wrong direction. He was number 95. Scored well, but really harmful at the free throw line. Um, and you know me, I can't get over those guys that drag you down so hard in one category and really aren't big-time lifters in other stuff. And he's a free agent. 
So there were there were issues right from the get-go. There wasn't a ton of team chemistry. Multiple players on that Clippers team didn't want anything to do with the bubble. Paul George didn't want to be there. Lou Williams didn't want to be there. Montrez Harrell, tragedy in the family. He didn't want to be there. You got the feeling that Kawhi Leonard, Ivica Zubats, and Marcus Morris were pretty much the only Clippers who wanted to be in the bubble. Marcus Morris, by the way, also a free agent. So what does this mean for us going forward? Well, you can draw a lot of conclusions about what a team's going to want to do based on what just happened. First of all, I think the Clippers realize the value of a number one seed in this game. Maybe not Kawhi necessarily, but a lot of guys on that team are probably thinking, if we got to play the Rockets in the second round instead of the Nuggets, we'd have made it to the Western Conference Finals. And they're probably right. They had the perfect tools to shut down the Rockets. Mental fortitude, that's a little bit more evenly matched where the Nuggets had a huge advantage over the Clippers in the mental toughness department. We didn't know that was coming, but it certainly showed itself. Rockets certainly showed themselves to not be particularly mentally tough. Got totally taken out of their game by the Lakers in one quick adjustment. And on top of that, I think the Clippers realized the value of playing together, of learning how a team is supposed to look. I mean, they really didn't have their true starters, but for a handful of games. I think they had their starters for like 15 games this year. That'd be fine if they had all played together for two years prior, but those guys didn't even know one another. It's why the offense became very take-turnsy. Okay, now it's Paul George's turn. Okay, now it's Kawhi's turn. Okay, one of those guys is resting. It's a Lou Montrez pick and roll. And you just, they just sort of alternated. And I think there was some alpha sort of head budding going on with that team where if someone wasn't getting their turns, they were getting annoyed. Clippers need to build a team that can do a little bit more off ball, frankly. You need to have, you need to have a, a better plan. You need to be able to make more adjustments. That's a playoffs issue. But I also think that this is a clean, the team that now feels slighted, and they should be. The Clippers got dragged through the mud after that meltdown. So that's a team with something to prove. So I look at a team like the Clippers, and again, we don't know exactly who's going to be on that roster next year outside of the two main dudes, but I think Paul George is staring down the barrel of a great fantasy season. Much as I hate the way that dude has made his way through his, his NBA career right now, I can't stand you know, got, Paul George just like obliterating teams and leaving them in his wake. Uh, from a fantasy value standpoint, he will almost definitely be underdrafted next year. Paul George is still really good at basketball, and all of his stuff this season showed physical and mental issues going on. We know about the mental stuff because he talked about it. We know about the physical stuff because it manifested itself in his numbers on the court. Decreased playing time because he wasn't healthy. Missed games because he wasn't healthy. Decreased defensive stats because he wasn't healthy. All of those things are telltale signs of a guy who was never really at 100%. I mean, I don't think that there's... I don't think there's any question of this stuff. In fact, let's look at some of his, his game log stuff. Remember how Paul George came back out uh, in the bubble and wasn't truly himself and then spoke about it and uh, talked to some people and everything changed all of a sudden? 
Like he had that couple of rough ones early in the playoffs. Paul George is actually pretty good during the non-playoff bubble games. He had 30 points, three steals against the Lakers to open up the bubble. 28 with three steals against uh, the Pels. Wasn't very good against Phoenix, I guess. Steals were lower. But he had he had like four, I think he had four separate three-steal games during the uh, seeding matchups. And then he struggled a bit early against Dallas, managed to play a bit better later on. Uh, his numbers really weren't that terrible in the bubble. It just sort of mentally you could see there was a there was a drag on him. Uh, Paul George could very easily be an early second-round pick next year. And if he plays a bunch of games, which I think he intends to do, it could be even better than that. He's, um, you know, he played 77 games for Oklahoma City last year, 79 the year before, 75, 81 going back. I mean, if you if you wipe out the crushing injury stuff early in, in George's career, he'd actually been relatively durable, probably playing through some things. And you could see the Clippers didn't want that this year. They didn't want him playing through anything. So they kid-gloved him the whole way through the year, and then they didn't have chemistry in the playoffs. Paul George played 48 regular season games this year, uh, 13 playoff games, which is the most he's played in a postseason since 2012 with Indiana when he played 19. Got wiped out in the first round in uh, each of the previous five years, I believe, actually. Am I getting that right? No, four years. Uh, he's got something to prove next season. Meanwhile, on the flip side of that, I think Kawhi's going to want some consistency, some chemistry, but I don't think he feels like he has anything left to prove. I think Kawhi is more in the camp of, look, I'm going to I'm gonna fall apart slowly as we work our way through the playoffs if I'm not missing any games, so I need to be healthy when I get there. Next year has Paul George written all over it for the Clippers. And again, we're not getting into the specific numbers for these guys. This is a how to handicap based on storylines from the previous year. And we'll have to wait and see who is still on the Clippers. Is Montrez Harrell coming back? Is there anything to improve there? He did win sixth man of the year. Um, what's the, you know, are they going to move anybody? If he's a Zubots, does he end up with a much larger role if Harrell's gone? Or do they bring in a center to replace Zubots? In which case, how functional does that guy become? So these are all questions to be answered at free agency. from just But just from a... What does this team want to accomplish during the regular season standpoint? I think you can feel pretty good about Paul George wanting to play in a lot of games and have a massive impact and not sit out very much. Kawhi, I think you probably grade out pretty close to what you had him at this year. And then the fringe guys, well, you know, they didn't they didn't really have anybody else that was a big-time impact dude anyway. And that's what we're going to be working on this week. So I'll put a pin in this one for now. That's what we're working on this week. We'll talk about the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Thunder. We'll work our way down the charts in the Western Conference and just what all these teams are going to be trying to do and you know how this most recent season's results can reflect how you handicap, especially the early round picks. This really is a bigger situation for early round picks because that's where you want your guys that are overperforming. Playing extra, making the bigger impact. Uh, no more promos on today's show. We'll just roll right into tomorrow. I am Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for listening as always, everybody. Back at you Wednesday morning. So long.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.